Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Now, if you're ever a fan of Heidi High or The Bill, and I was a fan of both, by the way, or more recently Holby City, you're likely to be very familiar with the face of my guest today, the lovely Linda Regan. Linda started out following in the footsteps of her father as a stand-up comic, which led on to a very successful acting career. But she found herself having to reevaluate her career choice after she was abducted at Knife Point in 2004. Shortly after, when she was diagnosed with lung and stomach cancer, she had to completely reevaluate her life. Now, since recovering from the trauma of both of these life-changing situations, I'm pleased to say, Linda has overcome her self-doubt, which was fueled by her dyslexia and not being very academic at school, but has gone on to become a hugely successful crime novelist with 10 novels already under her belt. What can I say, Linda Regan? Um, you and I go back a long way. We've never met before, but I used to watch Heidi High religiously. And we'll come on to talk about Brian, your husband. Um, there's, there's loads of connections. So um, tell us, first of all, for those of our listeners, and there's many, many thousands of them, tell us, if you would, Linda, about your, uh, your childhood, your early experiences that you had with your dad when you used to go on to some of his entertainment jobs. Just to, just so we get a feel of who you are and where you've come from, if that's okay. My dad was, um, he, he, he was a comedy magician, a, um, a comic, an MC, and he became a variety agent. Um, he worked many times as when I was a child on holiday camps, which is probably how I talked my way into Heidi High. Um, <laughs> so he used to do the Punch of Judy and children's magic on holiday camps. Um, and I, at the age of four, used to get in the back of the set and hand up the puppets. That was my very first job. I also used to tie the balloons. Um, if you know anything about balloon modeling, they have to be blown up and then tied. Daddy had very fat sausage fingers and I had tiny little hands because I'm tiny. Um, so I used to tie the knot so he could model the balloons, which is where I learned. So, um, you know, that I have the gift of I can make anything out of a balloon, which is... Um, <laughs> I'm very sad, <laughs> but that's my party. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, and, and my, my father was a great influence on, on, on my life. I used to watch him in the wings and, and I used to listen to the Punch and Judy show and things like that. I used to think what amazing timing he had as a comic. And so um, in those days, you couldn't, a woman was never employed as a warm up act. Um, I always wanted to be a warm-up comedian, but um, that there wasn't any in in those days. And so I started when I left school. I was I, I left school at the age of sixteen, and I started to work in clubs. I had a troupe of dancers, six dancers called the Yummy Girls, and I fronted them with some dreadful jokes. And God knows how awful I was. Thank goodness I didn't know how awful I was in those days. But um, I carried on, and um, from there I was trying to get into rep because um, I was 
really wanted to act. Uh, and, and I got into my first rep, which was actually in Worcester. Um, and my acting career went on from there. But um, my love of comedy um, holds very, very firmly. And I do still do some um, hosting and, um, and, and, and a bit of stand-up and stuff like that, you know, if there's a function. So, um, uh, yeah, and I do believe always that my darling daddy's looking down on me thinking, yes, you know, time this one right. <laughs> Well, God, God, God rest um, yeah. his soul, and well done, Daddy, for producing such a talented young lady. Um, you and I have already got two things in common, which you won't know, Linda, but I'm, I'm smiling to myself. The the comedy magician thing. My grandfather uh, was actually um, the owner of a Masonic lodge and was a member of the Magic Circle. So I used to spend all my summer holidays wow. with him. A very similar background to yours. And also, I had, or I still have, very proud to say, my equity card from years and years and years ago at drama school, uh, managed to obtain my equity card with a similarly dreadful act, actually. So um, we'll talk about that on another no, occasion, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I'm very interested uh, I know, it's good, isn't it? You don't know. It, it really is. Um, I, I'm very interested to, uh, to understand about whether you felt that, that immersive experience, you know, being with your dad as often as you were, uh, almost following in his footsteps um, subconsciously, that clearly was a very uh, important, use the word influence, very important influencer. Um, what was the most enjoyable part of your acting career, Linda? And I know there's loads of highlights, so it's probably difficult to identify yeah, one, yeah. but um, any any standout moments for you? Well, there are. I mean, there always are, aren't there? I mean, Heidi High was terrific fun. We laughed all the time. And of course, I knew them all because of Daddy and Variety Days. So I knew Paul Shane very well and um, Ruth Maddock and Jimmy Perry, who wrote it. Um, and we had terrific fun on that. So I can't, I can't put that one aside. Um, I also played Marilyn Monroe in the um, story of her life and death. It was really the downfall of Monroe in a play which toured, which was an amazing role to play. In fact, one of my books, my third book, I called um, Dead Like Her. And um, I have a psychopath who's preying on look, uh, Marilyn Monroe lookalikes. Um, and that book went to number five in the charts, in um, one of the bookshop charts. Um, so it does go to show uh, what's going on in your subconscious mind. You don't realise how much you hold of it. But I did love playing Marilyn Monroe because I wanted to tell her story. I think she was a very mm. vulnerable, sad lady. Mm. Um, so, 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 but there are many highlights. I mean, Lady Macbeth, I never thought I'd get to play that. Um, and it terrified me, but it was an amazing experience. So I, I loved playing that as well. I've had many highlights. Um, and then there were so many people I loved working with. I mean, I met my husband when we were playing husband and wife in the play. Um, so obviously that was a lovely, we had a lovely time when, when we were doing that because, uh, you know, that takes me back and we fell in love during that. Um, and, and working with certain comics, I, I loved working with Ted Rogers, who lived near us when I was a child and, and worked with my dad um, over, you know, in, in many sorts of shows when he was starting out. Um, so there are, there are many highlights. So it, it, it's hard, it is hard to say. You're a, you're a very lucky lady, but you are a very talented lady, so it doesn't surprise me to have such an envious CV. And of course, for those listening who don't know who you're referring to, the lovely Brian, and very talented, if I may say, Brian Murphy, who uh, yeah. many of you will Somebody know was, yeah, George Roper, Man About the House, George and Mildred that followed. Um, again, um, 
impossible to avoid missing that on a, on a, I think it was a, I can't remember what day of the week it was, but I used to watch it really religiously every week. Um, so now um, with, with this, um, let's just put the, the, the amazing career to one side for a second, Linda, and, and talk, if we may, about that horrific experience, which I mentioned in the introduction uh, in 2004. How, how, how did that happen? What happened exactly for those of us who won't necessarily know the full story? Okay, well, the first thing to say about this, we're going to obviously talk about my knife attack. Um, The first thing to say about this is the lesson anybody that's listening and watching this to take from this is get in your car and lock your sodding door. Get in the car, click your seatbelt on and lock your door because my door wasn't locked. Um, It was a week before Christmas, I think, and I was just taking some Christmas presents around to my best friend. and somebody, I was just parking in a dark corner and somebody crawled into my car with a knife to my throat. Um, and I thought, oh, it was absolutely terrifying. Make no mistakes. I was absolutely terrified. But I thought she was going to take my phone, my purse, my car, obviously. Um, and, and, and that was it. But he didn't. He, 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 um, he decided he'd take, he was going to take me as well. And I found out afterwards um, that, you know, he'd well he'd raped people so I was very lucky because I I jumped out of a moving car and saved my life um you just do things on 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 the spur of the moment really don't you and that was something I did um God only knows why I was just lucky that he hadn't locked me in because the door was unlocked or I would never have been able to get out. So that was the story of that, but it, it was quite horrendous. That's it in brief. Um, it was, it was quite horrendous. I mean, I still, um, all this time later, I can't go out in the dark without my dog. Um, and it does leave a scar. They do leave scars, you know, and I'm always looking behind me. If, if anybody comes up near my car on, on the left because he came into the passenger side, um, you, you will find me pressing my foot on the accelerator and driving off. I, I know it stayed with me, that's for sure. But, you know, as, as, as you said earlier, I've, I've now written 10 crime novels and I guess your subconscious is always at work. Um, and, and so I, I use the, being an actor and my, the tool of an actor is your emotion. I use the emotion I felt and, um, got on with it. I did always write, um, but uh, my books are, are, you know, I write about London and what's going on and, and it's pretty strong around London, gang crime, um, uh, guns, knives, and, and, and I, I, I write about. So, so it's, um, it, it spurred me in, in really in, in, into my next career. So one never knows what, you know, what something is there for in your life. You have mm. to look at it, try and look at the positive side. Now, I don't, I don't obviously ask you that question, Linda, to delve too deeply into your personal life, because that's not what this podcast is about. But the reason I ask you the question is, is really the, the emotional uh, trauma. We talk a lot about mental health. There's a lot more awareness around that at the moment. Uh, and the process of recovery, if that's the right word. I know you say it still lives with you today and probably always will. Um, what I'm interested mm. in sharing with the listeners um, of this podcast is, uh, what did you do to help you and, and what to some extent do you still do to help you overcome those challenges? You know, it being an example of the kinds of obstacles um, and roadblocks that we all in one shape or a form uh, or another come across from time to time. How does Linda Regan deal with that ongoing process? Is there a, is there a, 
Is there a process you go through? Is there a mantra by which you live? Um, how, how do you deal with the, the mental scars that that left? Well, I will not be a victim. I'm, uh, I have a very strong inner self and I will not be a victim, certainly to somebody um, like that. Um, I hope that, the, and every time I have ever talked about it, I hope that the lesson um, people listening will lock their cars and maybe then I've saved somebody by doing that. Um, and I write I, I write it out, and the bad guy gets caught. Mm. Um, so, so that's that's my sanity as the writer. I'm going to talk about your books in a moment because I've read a couple actually, and uh, they are fantastic. I'm I'm fascinated to know how a talented actress then moves on to be a talented crime writer. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll circle back to that in a moment. Um, how far, just on the subject again of mental health, because it's a, it's a hot topic at the moment, so forgive me for yeah. pressing you on this, yeah. but um, how far do you think, you know, we're talking 16 years ago now, Linda, and you've lived with that trauma for all this time, but how far do you think mental health awareness, and in particular the support that people get, has come in that time? Do you, I mean, there's still a lot to be done, but, but are you seeing any encouraging signs of change in that respect? Yes, because I think that the, uh, a lot more people are open about it. Um, and of course, we've got the wonderful young princes being very open about mental health, um, William and Harry, uh, which has helped enormously. And, uh, you know, open up, talk about it if you want, need to talk about it. There, there is help out there. Uh, and and it, certainly people are realising it's an illness. You know, people are, are, are going, oh, dear. It is an illness, and, and, and it, you know, it needs curing, or you need to see a doctor, or a psychiatrist, or um, somebody holistic. Do what you have to do, but because it's your life, so deal with it the way that you want to. Um, but don't be don't be ashamed. There's a lot of shame goes with it. Don't be ashamed. There's a lot of depression out there. It's tough, you know. And certainly with with um, COVID nineteen, a lot of people are getting you know um, very shut in syndrome. Um, and one needs to find the answer yeah. to your problem. Um, you, you talk about your strong inner self. I think I'm uh, using the right words. Apologies if I'm paraphrasing, but the strong inner self that has made you, uh, you know, as successful as you are, Linda, and I'm, I'm sure that's one of the reasons. For those people who probably don't have that that strength of character that you've been able to develop or find in yourself over the years, um, beyond talking about it, but that's great advice, by the way, beyond talking about it and building a, a solid support network, are there any other things that you've been able to do apart from you know, writing a crime novel? I mean, that's another good piece of advice if people can write. But uh, beyond that, are there any other things that you could advise people to maybe think about doing if they are currently dealing with any kind of psychological trauma, mental illness, or any other more general challenge in life? 
yes, seek help. Seek help. Nobody's, nobody minds, you know. Um, there, there's help out there. Go, go, go and seek it. Um, and don't be afraid and don't think that you're sissy because there's a lot of people that um, are, are suffering, as I said, at the moment. And um, there is help out there. Many, in, in, it has expanded, certainly since 2004, since um, my uh, crisis. And the, the lesson in that, because you mentioned that earlier, was um, I also went through a cancer. I've been through cancer twice. Um, my stomach was my first cancer. And um, that is interesting because, you know, your stage nerves, I would say, oh my God, butterflies in your stomach, you're frightened, you're nervous. Um, it's stress causes cancer. And, and all the surgeons I've known and um, uh, been with have all said, don't hold things in. Um, it, that is, is a lot to do with cancer. Lots of people say, oh, I got cancer after my mother died. I got cancer after so-and-so. After I got cancer after that, um, uh, you know, after I was kidnapped. And um, then I, I, unfortunately, it came back again. Um, I'm now completely clear and I'm absolutely fine. And I have been for quite a while now. Um, but but the lesson from that is definitely don't hold it in because you know cancers uh, all over the place, and um, it, it's that that's often caused by withheld stress. So I'm told by the experts. I'm not an expert. No, but I, but I have to say good advice. I lost my father and my stepfather to cancer, and uh, it's clear, or there, there seem to be indicators that stress pays a very. Uh, significant part in um, in these cancers of appearing, but I have to say, uh, for the record, in, in front of many many listeners, Linda, we're all absolutely delighted that the prognosis is now so positive. So uh, long may you continue you. to stay Thanks. in very good health. Um, and, and I Thank suppose you. you know, with with that cancer, um, you know, that was was it the same strong inner self of Linda Regan that got you through? Was it the experience of two thousand and four? You know, where did you where did you reach um, within? Was it was it Brian? Was it your friends, your family? Was it something else that got you through? Yet, you know, a, a major life event like the one you suffered in two thousand and four is enough for most people. But here we are, second, third time around, dealing with two different uh, and very aggressive, generally types of cancer, certainly life threatening. How, how on earth? Yes. How on earth do you get through that the second time, the third time, and you keep picking yourself up? It's amazing. Um, I think Brian, I think my husband was is, is, was an enormous strength, has been an enormous strength in my life. Um, and I, I certainly decided I wasn't going to die and leave him. He would have been devastated. So um, the, the first cancer was was pretty, pretty tough. I can tell you, nine months of chemo is not a lot of fun. Um, and um, it had its ups and downs. And there was a night when we thought I wasn't going to make it. And when I saw the state that Brian had got himself in, I was half asleep. It didn't matter. Um, uh, you know, you fight for the person that, that, that you know is there for you. He can't live without me. So um, I fought back. You, you've got to, it is, you have to be strong within, but with yeah. cancer, you have to say, I'm going to kick this. Well, well done to both of you, because um, I know Brian played a very important part in all of that. So at what time, let's now move on to something uh, slightly brighter. Uh, and um, let's take you now to that moment when you, I guess, reevaluate your career, for want of a better expression. It was, was it the cancer, Linda, that made you sit down 
metaphorically and go, right, okay, uh, things have got to change? Or, or was it something else? Was it, just, was it just an epiphany? Was it just a moment at a random point in time you thought, that's it, I'm going to do it a different way? No, um, I've always written, I, and, and I think, you know, it, 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 you know, as I said, when I was at school, they didn't understand dyslexia, I had dyslexia. I, my dyslexia came out when I was nervous, um, and, and when I wasn't, I, um, I'm, I wasn't dyslexic, it's very strange. Um, so I've always written, I never thought I'd be a writer, because um, A, I was following, you know, I had a show business family, and there was always that, that road was always just absolutely there, and, and an easier one to take. Um, and, you know, obviously had loads of rejections, as, as you do, I wrote some short stories. Um, and then I, I wrote I wrote loads of novels, and um, then it was just, oh, it must have been just after the attacks. I think it was 205 I was published for the first time. So um, I wrote um, my, the, a book. But Someone said to me, write a book about what you know. So I wrote a book about backstage in pantomime and about, um, and, I, I, and I just started murdering all, um, the actors. <laughs> <laughs> By one, I thought, must have been terrible. Um, in my subconscious anyway um and i thought it was dreadful so i threw it away and brian uh, got it from um the dustbin over the road and sent it into this publisher a brand new publisher who's looking for um new crime writers and um i i, I sort of won the competition and i won a two-book contract uh, which i nearly died because i had then i knew i had to write a second one and i didn't have any idea so now i've written a book it's turned into a thriller is um i hadn't set out to write it was called behind you then it's now called stage death that was my very first book um i then so then i had to write a second one so i thought what shall i write about and then i thought about when my dad used to work in strip clubs in Soho, as you know, the comic, with, and, and I used to go with him. Um, I think my mother sent me up there so that he'd come home and not go off with one of the strippers. But anyway, um, I, and I just remembered them, and I liked them. They were very, I found them very violent. So I decided to write um, a murder set in a, a strip club in Soho, which I called Passion Killers. It's now renamed as Soho Killers. So that was my second book. And lo and behold, it was one of the picks of the year in the Observer um, newspaper, which I'd never expected in a million years. So on I went. My third one was the Married in One Row one, which I think we talked about earlier. Mm. Um, I did when I was, and um, that made number five in, in a bookshop um, charts, in Borders bookshop charts. Um, and th- th- there I was, you know, uh, off, off I went. But I was still acting, and I'm, I still am acting now. You know, I still, I do still work. But um, my writing has, my, my thrillers just seem to have really taken off. Um, they've had, my latest one is called um, The Terror Within, about a hostage situation um, after a night of rioting in, in the London streets, a uh, hostage situation where a police has been shot and taken hostage. Um, and it, it's had the most amazing reviews. Nobody, you can knock me down with a feather. So um, I, I seem to have found myself here in life, really. Um, but, you know, there, there is, we're, we're in the middle of COVID-19. There's no filming and there's no theatre. But... Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I would, I, I would still work. I'm, I'm, I'm well again. I'm a cancer. Well, one can never say that. Let's just say I'm clear. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, so I, I'm happily got two careers now. 
Fantastic. And I, I have to say a slight tongue in cheek, this one, Linda, and, and as a, as a comedian, you will, you will appreciate the, the irony of this, but I, I love that I'm speaking to a dyslexic writer today. Um, but it's, a, it's extraordinary that um, somebody with, with all of the challenges you've had have, have created not one amazing career for yourself, but two. And um, that serves or should serve as an inspiration to very, very many people. So, you know, I want to thank you sincerely for, uh, for giving us the, that kind of insight and that, that strength to carry on when, for some people, things can be very, very challenging. Um, I was going to ask you why crime writing in particular, but then I read uh, during part of my research for, for this, uh, this chat with you today, and I think I'm quoting myself correctly when I say that part of your inspiration uh, for the people that you feature in your, the characters you feature in your book, are people that you may have worked with in the entertainment industry that, that you would have liked to have had murdered. Now, obviously, we can't name names for fear of being sued, but is that true? Is that where you got some of your inspiration? Uh, no, I, I, I think, I mean, I've done many, many pantos in my life, starting as a child, you know, with, with one of those babes that, that's in the chorus um, and going on to be a principal and going on and on and on. So I've done, God knows, must have done 40 pantos in my life. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're away from home. You're in Scotland or in Manchester. You're in the edge of God knows where, Billingham. And, um, you know, you don't have a close friend in, in, in the show, um, apart from probably the Shetland ponies, who I always get on well with. Um, and so sometimes, you're, you're, you know, there are people you don't, you, you don't have to get on with people. Um, it happens. You just think, I haven't got... And, and you, I've seen many fights. I'm sure everyone has um, arguments in pantomime because uh, people are working very, very hard and they're very tired and it's cold and you get colds. And um, so uh, the, the first book that somebody said, write about what you know. And I wrote, I thought I'll start with backstage in a panto. And, and the only way I could get it interesting was to have a murder. And then I thought, well, let's have a few more. So, um, no, I don't really think I, I'm, I, I don't have it in my nature to um, hate or anybody. There have been people, obviously, that I haven't got on so well with that I've worked. We all have. Um, but there's nobody I've really hated. Certainly not enough to murder them. But, um, you know... Uh, you can, um, of course, that's the one thing about being a crime writer. If you do want, if you do feel strongly about someone, you can disguise them and kill them off. That's, um, that's the joy. I'm trying to think off the top of my head the two books I've read of yours. And I think, I might be misquoting these, but I think Stage Death was one and I think Soho Killers was the other. And they were both okay. really good, really good, I have to say. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that for, for effect here today. They, they were terrific and I would strongly recommend... Uh, anybody, particularly if they're into uh, crime novels, they should have a read of, of Linda's book. And I think what we're going to do, Linda, if I may say, if we can get hold of a purchase, a full copy, a full set of your books, we'll offer them as a prize, as we do oftentimes with our guests on the, uh, on oh, the Sandro Forte be- podcast. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, your books, I know they revolve a lot around the police, guns, gangs, drugs, all that kind of thing. Um, did your abduction in any way inspire help? hinder you does it form part of your thought process when you're writing i mean is it is it an influence yes. does the feature yes. yes there's certainly i know i know the um the emotion of fear um will i get out of here am i going to die um i interesting that hostage the the my latest one terry when the hostage one of course people are 
you know, have been taken hostage. I hadn't realized it when I was writing it. You don't. So, I mean, your subconscious is at work. Um, but yes, certainly I do know, um, I, I, I know what it's like uh, to feel strong fear. Is, is this person going to kill you? Or, or are you going to see your loved ones again? I do know that feeling, and that's um, that's part of uh, of um, uh, of crime novels. That that's you know fear. But I I have a thing. I like to get the bad guys caught. Mm. Um, I, I I think it's important that you know we find the right people, and they get the I, just results. I think we all do secretly, don't we, Linda? We all, we all want the yeah. bad guy or woman to be caught in the end. Um, it would be I also like to, just like to say that I also think it's really, really important um, in a crime novel, a dark novel, a, 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 to have some fun. Um, I'm not afraid to have some laughs. You know, I have some sort of oddities going on with my police and, you know, a couple of affairs here and there. But have some fun as well. You know, make people laugh because if you've got a dark, difficult book, um, you need some light relief. So um, I also do put a lot of comedy and I guess that's my, um, the soul of myself. But um, I think that's important as well. How do you, how do you write? And what I mean by that, Linda, is there's a lot of people, I'm trying to, I'm trying to link your experiences with, you know, certain analogies for life and business here. So uh, oftentimes people find themselves in a situation where they've got a goal or a challenge or an ambition, and they find it difficult to kind of break it down and deal with it bit by bit, which is often the way to, to deal with it successfully. Um, and, and I suppose the link to writing is that, you know, you can't just sit down and write a book in a day. And often, oftentimes you will have a day where you just have no inspiration whatsoever. Do you have a certain methodology that you apply? Do you do it bit by bit? Do you do you put it all together in outline first and then write it? How do you? How does Linda Regan write a book? Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, there are. I, I did do um, a master's degree when I was when I had cancer to make myself use my brain. Um, I did a master's degree in critical and creative writing, and they teach you, oh, why don't you write like this and blah, and then get your chapters. It doesn't work for me. I'm an, as an actor, as a, even, you know, with an, if I'm standing on stage with an audience, I'm, I'm instinctive. I prefer to be instinctive. So, uh, you know, and also when you're writing, your characters jump off the page and they tell you a lot about themselves. That sounds, may sound ridiculous, but it's in fact true. You suddenly realize as you're writing them, um, more about them, and that takes your story along. So often, I don't know who's done it. Oh, that's it. That's very interesting. Um, so definitely not starting the end in mind. Just make it up as you go along. But I mean, it's very effective. Yeah. Um, I cannot, I cannot let this podcast pass, Linda, without asking you about rejection. I mean, as a, as a, despite being a very successful actress with an incredible career, you have, of course, had plenty of times where you have been turned away from auditions. You've had more than your fair share of of rejection and there are lots of people who tune into this podcast who to one extent or another go through similar experiences how do you deal with rejection 
And also writers do as well. Writers get rejected, you know, and it's your baby writing, you're holding it close to you and you've written it and taken ages and then somebody says, no, it's a load of crap. Um, I'll tell you what I, what I, I would say to anybody, um, to a young actor or a, a, a novice writer is it is not a rejection, it's an opinion. It may not, I mean, take J.K. Rowling, you know, she was rejected by everyone. Uh, I think over a hundred people until she got Harry Potter out there. Don't just don't give up. You know, it just people might be in a bad mood and just reject you. I've had some terrible things said to me, um, and now looking back, you know, uh, it's just their opinion. And often people are in, in a position when they can be rude, and there's nothing you can do about it. Walk away. Um, but. It is just an opinion. It's, it's, there is no right and wrong, not in acting and not in writing. I believe it's, you know, it's your work. So take no notice. Keep going. And also, very well said, if I may um, compliment you on, on those uh, few wise words that you've shared. Um, but it also works the other way around, doesn't it? Because your opinion of your first manuscript was, was not particularly oh. high. And then Brian fished it out of the bin and, uh, yeah. and and that launched a new career. So you're right. Yeah. It is it is simply somebody's opinion, and even your own opinion uh, may not be matched by somebody else's. You- it does work the other way around as well. Yes, absolutely. You're no judge of your own work, and most people think their work is crap. Um, so the thing to do is don't judge it. Give it yeah. to somebody else, you know, who's who's going to buy it or, or launch it. And um, this podcast, again, uh, we don't want this to be a political or promotional platform, but I'm, I'm going to squeeze every last drop of advice out from you today because, you know, you're a lady that's um, had two very successful careers, still in the middle of one, and you, as you've mentioned, you're already, and still acting, but uh, you have overcome some very significant challenges in your life. There's a lot of people out there that are low on self-confidence at the moment. They want to follow their dreams They've maybe got an idea, Linda. They just don't know how to go about it. I think that's the right expression. What, are, what, what sage words would you have for people who, you know, they know what they want. They just kind of can't find a way past that inertia. Are we talking writing or acting? Anything. Or just, in, in, just in life generally, I'm, I'm kind of linking your experiences to... Uh, the challenges that many people face in life, which is, you know, I've got a great idea, don't really know how to get started, or I'm dealing with a particular challenge at the moment and I don't know how to overcome it. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be about acting or writing. It might just be something going on in their life right now. Right. Well, um, I think um, I think a lot of people in, in, within themselves are afraid of rejection. I've decided that and I decided that's what I was frightened of when I threw my book away. Um, and I think you just got to go, listen, if he says no, it doesn't, it's not a big, not a big deal. Somebody else will say yes. Mm. Um, but of course you've got to write the project first. Um, or, you know, if you want to be an actor, you've got to get an audition speech together and, and get yourself into rep or drama school, you know, you have to make the, the make the steps that are going to take you to where you want to go. But don't let people put you down. It's just an opinion. Mm. And just back to that, and just back to that series of wonderful novels. Am I right in saying ten currently published? Um, yeah, I'm on my now. I think it's nine. I think yeah, I'm, I think we're going into ten. 
Okay, so however many there are that are currently published, we will um, arrange after this podcast to uh, purchase them directly uh, from Linda or from her publisher or some other reputable bookstore uh, and make sure that they are available to one lucky podcast uh, winner. They, they all know how this works, Linda. It's basically um, a like and a share thing and we, we offer up prizes that we sponsor. So we'll take care of that for you. So that's another, another nine books sold. Um, and I, I cannot let the podcast end now uh, without a couple more quick questions. Um, Brian, um, a very, very well-known and talented actor in his own right. You've, you've already um, lauded him for all the support he's given you. What's Brian up to these days? Um, well, nobody said no actors are up to anything because we're in the middle of COVID nineteen. So um, he's not up to anything. He's a, well, he is. He's he's designing the garden, which is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> So he's, but, so he's know, a talented gardener. Uh, um, unique. Unique's a better word. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. Yeah, so, well, we'll have to wait till things get, get back and get going and see what comes in for him. Well, we hope to see both of you on screen somewhere very soon. And of course, Linda, the very best of luck with your, your novels and all that you continue to do with, with that side of your um, extended career. Two final questions, if we may. Firstly, how do we find out more about Linda Regan? You know, are you, are you a social media buff? Have you got a yeah. website? How do people buy your books if they're not lucky enough to win them on the podcast? How do people find out more about you? www.lindareganonline.co.uk is my web. Yeah. Um, Twitter is at Linda Regan, uh, Linda underscore Regan, R-E-G-A-N. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook. Lovely. And, in, and, I, and, in and, I, will, and I will certainly do both. Um, final question, Linda, the one we asked to all of our guests, and I mean, you've shared so many things, it's difficult to pick out um, the nuggets from, from those because there were so many of them. But if a, if a younger version of yourself, um, like you did with your dad all those years ago that took you to uh, pantomimes and had you learning the trade backstage, um, if a younger version of yourself came up to you and said, okay, mum, uh, I'm just about to embark on a, on a career, not necessarily in acting, but just trying to find my way through life. Give me, um, if you can condense down all of that amazing experience, good and bad, uh, into one or two sentences, those wise words that I could lock away uh, and keep with me forever, to keep me on the straight and narrow, to give me a guiding hand through life. What would those few words be, Linda, if you could summarise it all? Uh, believe in yourself and your own talent and listen to people that know have been around uh, for a long time and, um, and are successful uh, and the reasons why, the, and there'll be a reason why. Lovely. I, I love that. That's a really, really nice way of summarising today's podcast, which has been a real joy. Um, it's so lovely to meet the lady in person, as it were. Uh, apologies for those listening if there were any wobbles on the, on the connections, but um, that's the way we have to do it at the moment. Um, but Linda Regan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Sandro Forte podcast. It's been a thank real you. honour to, to chat with you and thank you for sharing so openly some, some amazing insights into a very successful career. But of course, reminding us that, um, that the challenges and obstacles are things that we all have to deal with and, and dealt with them you have very, very well indeed. So thank you for being such an inspirational guest. 
Thank you so much. I hope they help other people. They will for sure.